0: I really um, have a word that I believe is critical, uh, and I don't say that lightly. I think it's a critical word for where we're at, no matter where you're at. But as a man, I think this is a critical issue. I think it has everything to do with prospering in the times that we're living in. I think it has everything to do with um, increasing in our influence as an outreach to, um, to care for people, to lead people. I think this message, if you take it to heart, has the ability to revolutionize the way that your homes operate, your businesses operate, your schooling operates. This is this is critical, and it affects all of us on every level, even to the kids. This is a message that very simply can, can, can reach out. And, and we, we told you that today we're talking on the topic of focus. And the, the title of this short talk is Focused to the Finish. Focus to the Finish. Of course, we're using a football theme for obvious reasons. Anybody going to the Super Bowl tomorrow? Nobody felt like dishing out a 1000 bucks for a ticket. That's okay. But this will be an exciting weekend. And so we'll capitalize on the excitement and capitalize on the theme. And no, I'm not going to make you feel bad for being focused on the Super Bowl tomorrow at all. We, we actually, I had a video that I was going to show, and it was all about idolatry. And it ended up kind of, it was a really great video, you know. And then I got to the end, and it just kind of left you feeling like I felt bad for like watching the Super Bowl tomorrow. I said, yeah, I'm not bringing that out. That's not going to work. Don't feel bad about watching the Super Bowl. But uh, I, I just open your hearts to this message today, and I want to start just with a quick video that uh, that will kind of set the tone for where we're going. So, Johnny, if you can play that first video, that'd be great. Have you found that to be true in your life? It says it's your life. You're responsible for your results. And I know from a theological perspective, you could argue that. You could argue the fact that, well, that takes a little bit too much credit on me and not enough credit on God. But if you remember Pastor Bill shared just a little while ago, and he had a line that just really struck a chord in a lot of people that I've talked to, which was, he said, you are the biggest influence in your life. And our head would tell us, well, no, God is the biggest influence or maybe somebody, my father or a mentor. No, no, really when it comes at the end of the day, you are the biggest influence in your life because you are the gatekeeper between what you allow in to influence you. And so be- along the lines of him saying that, it is true that that we are responsible for the results that we have in life. We can't control circumstances, but we're responsible for the way that we uh, react and, and, and respond to things that happen to us. And at the end of the day, we're responsible for making decisions about how we use our time, where we put our focus, which is what we're talking about today. And I hope that today's this message would encourage you, if your focus has been misaligned, it would help you bring it back. And if it's something that you don't think about, if it's something you, that you would begin to focus. So, the, why the title? Focus to the finish. Finishing strong is as much an issue of determined focus as anything else. I think as a as a consumer culture, culture is in a culture that sometimes feels very entitled. We are really good at making excuses about why we're where we're at in life. We uh, everyone's got something that was done to them. Everyone's got certain baggage that from where they're coming from. But at the end of the day, finishing strong is a matter of determined focus. It might take longer than you expected to finish strong, but the purpose to finish strong and to not give up is absolutely on our shoulders as men. And it will change our homes. It will change our businesses. If you remember on Wednesday, I talked about if For those of you who are here Wednesday or maybe heard it online, <clears throat> I shared a message called The Worship Life. Now obviously I'm a I'm a worship guy. I mean we do I'm the music director here so worship is a big deal. But we didn't if you f- remember we didn't really end up talking about worship music really all that much. We talked about worship as being an intentional focus. There's that word again, an intentional focus to adore God, to place focus on on how uh, majestic and awe-inspiring he is to worship him in the beauty of his holiness his holiness is what makes him set apart from everything else in the world that would demand our focus and 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 because god is never outgiven when we focus on his holiness he then in us shares that holiness. He, he makes us part of that set apart. He begins to display his character and attributes in us. That's a, that's a harvest of investing in worshiping in him and the beauty of his holiness is that we become more holy. The Bible says he's perfect and we're becoming perfected. And as we do that, if you remember the end of the message, we create a platform for him to be powerful so the three attributes of worship were adoration, just being just worshiping God because of how majestic he is, worshiping him in the beauty of his holiness. That means really tapping into the fact that there's none like him, allowing him to put that holiness on the inside of us and cause us to be separate, and then flowing his power through us because worship... Is an intentional focus on God and what you focus on, you become like. So, if you want to have the God type of resurrection power in your situations in life, then you have to keep your focus on the God kind of power of resurrection in your life. So, that was an issue of focus and misplaced worship, misplaced focus rarely happens just because you wake up one morning and say, you know what? I'm just going to think about this now. I'm just going to, you know what? I'm not going to worship God anymore. You know what? I'm just going to forget it. I've been standing for this debt to be forgiven. Now I'm just going to go get another job and I'm just going to do it. You know, I I think of things in my mind where I've been tempted to change my focus on things. Focus, misplaced focus always begins with self and that's in the enemy to worship is self, Right. When you begin to get your eyes on yourself, you get your eyes on your concerns. It's all about self and self-preservation. And so focus, you may be in a place today where you say, yeah, I I just tell you right now my focus is off. Well, it didn't happen because you just woke up and said, I want to have a wrong focus. It happened because you began to slowly but surely change your focus from God to situations and to self. And so today I hope that we can kind of get back on track or just be encouraged to continue to finish strong because you may be focused right now, but you're not done and you have to keep going. So I want to turn your attention to Deuteronomy 30. They're going to put these scriptures up. Uh, John, give me Deuteronomy 30. We're going to go 15 through 18. However, you have that organized up there. And this was um, this was the Lord speaking uh, to the people of Israel. If you remember from these stories, the, the Lord had said, I've given you a land, a, a promised land. You know, they wandered in the desert for a long time because they couldn't wrap their mind around God being faithful and doing what he said he would do. Eventually, Moses was dying. He wasn't going to go into the promised land, but Joshua was going to lead the people in. And this was just one of many times where God reiterates and affirms what his intentions are with the promised land for his people, the Israelites. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. I'm reading from, uh, I believe this is the New Living Translation, if it sounds a little different to you. In that command, and I command you today to love your your God to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply and that the Lord God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Now, remember that idea, the land which you're going to go possess. But if, but if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and you're drawn away and you worship other gods and serve them, I announced to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. So God, it was a very thing this is idea and this is an analogy for everything that that's about our lives god has a promised land for you god has promises in his word for you he's already he's given them to you as an inheritance but you still have to go and possess these people had to go and possess and the and the, and the matter of possessing meant continuing to lean on God even more than before when they didn't even know what it was and they were just leaning on God to do something. Now God's done it. And now they've got to press in more than ever to possess it because there's giants in the land. There's enemies in the land. There's inhabitants in the land. In in the next chapter of Deuteronomy, this is 31 verses seven and eight. Moses calls Joshua and says to him in all the sight of Israel, be strong and of good courage. You must go with this people to the land, which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. You shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. So what they do is they, I mean, come on, how can you argue with that? That is inspiring, right? I mean, if this happened to you firsthand, you would be charged up. It's finally come. The day that we're gonna cross over, the day our lives are about to be changed, the day we are officially no longer slaves, right? This is gonna be amazing. Let's do this. You can imagine the excitement and tenacity. And they did, they finished strong. I mean, they just received Joshua as much as they loved Moses, they received Joshua as their leader. They they sent out spies, and even though ten of the spies came back with a bad report, you know, two of them came back with a good report, and apparently that was enough for God to keep using them. They repented, they got back on track, you know, they lost their focus. Didn't they? That was a focus issue. Uh, I don't know if we can do this. We're, there's giants in the land. We're, we're just small compared to them. That was a focus issue. They crossed the Jordan River. They built an altar of remembrance. So they've got a great track record. I mean, they're, they're honoring God. They're remembering God. They're, they're putting things into motion now that generations of people will never forget what God has just done. So they're doing awesome. They circumcised the second generation. Ouch. And these aren't babies. <laughs> You yeah, they circumcise it as a, as a symbol of the covenant that they're in with God. So they're saying, listen, God, you've just given us all this stuff, but we are not going to forget about you. We've set up an altar to remind you. Now we're, we're we're literally doing something to our own bodies that will cause us to be identified with you and remember that you did this. We're in covenant with you. They take Jericho captive. Hoorah. I mean, come on. Like an amazing first victory. They do it exactly the way God tells them to do it. And in the most unimaginable way, they take that city captive. And then they begin to lose their focus. Sometimes losing focus comes from finally pressing through and getting the victory. I say sometimes the worst thing that happens to people is they get the victory because then what happens is we just sit down. Whew, glad that's over with and I can go back to channel surfing. You know what I mean? I find when I'm pressing and I'm up against something, my walk with the Lord is the best that it ever is. I'm dialed in. I'm sensitive. I'm desperate. I'm hungry. And I would love to say that it doesn't have to be that way for me to be that close to him. But you know what? For whatever reason it is, that's just kind of how it is. And then that's why I love the challenge in a sense, because it, it draws me close to God. And when you're close to God, things happen, right? When you're confident, overconfident, these people got overconfident. They said, ah, we, we got this battle. Well, this battle of AI, man, we're, we're good. We got it. We don't need to take all the people that God said to take. We'll be good. And then they're like slaughtered, right? And so they repent. It's okay, man. You, they started strong. They messed up. They got their focus back. They repented. They kept, they renewed their covenant with God. And, the, and again, God's biggest strategic command was go take the things that I've given you as an inheritance honor me by going and receiving the things that I've put in your life. Joshua praised the infamous sun stand still prayer. And I would just say, if you're looking for a great book, on Faith, a great book to cause you to get off the couch and do something. Sun Stand Still by Stephen Furtick is a great book. I'm halfway through it. I have no problem um, recommending it. Uh, Pastor John gave this to our entire staff. Some of you have it because you are part of our staff or, or um, our leader base. This is a book that we're all reading together right now because where we're going, we need to pray audacious prayers that, that demand God, and I don't mean in, in, in a in – a, in a rude way, but that place a demand on God's promises that he, that he wants us to place a demand on. And, and if you remember, God had said, I, I want you to take all of these people captive. Every one, last one of them I want you to kill them. I want you to displace them. And I want you to possess. Now, that sounds r- harsh and rude to us, but you just got to understand the context. And Joshua was, it would have been enough to just say, there's like five kings left. I mean, we have thousands. We've saw. We've pretty much accomplished our goal. It's getting dark. Let's call it a night, right? And but Joshua says, no, no, no. I haven't done everything God called me to do. And he prayed that audacious prayer that said, make the sun stand still so there's light to finish doing what you've called me to do. And some of us need to pray sun stand still prayers. It says it's not over. You said that this would happen. Everything in the natural looks like it's not going to happen. I am standing. I refuse to give up. I'm going to press in and I'm going to see you do what you said that you were going to do through me. And, and they absolutely did. And it came down to the last five kings in a cave. And they went down there and they threw a rock in front of them to trap them. And then they pulled them out and they killed them one by one. And at the end of the day, by dark, they had accomplished everything. And then this is what it says in Joshua eleven twenty three, 23. It says, Joshua took the whole land. Now, conquest remains occur, but of the lands of the context of the scripture, they had, they had done it. So he had tooken, taken the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses, and Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by tribes. And then the land rested from war. And what it says is that when, you fo- when you're focused to completion, a natural byproduct of that is rest. You enter into a state of rest when you've completed because there's that confidence of knowing you've done what you've called to do and you've seen God's power displayed amidst your completion. Now, again, rest accompanies completion, but unrest accompanies uncompletion. Watch this next video real quick. How about that? I would say unrest from uncompletion. And that's just silly, you know, and we're capitalizing on our football theme, but come on, how many of you have started out strong and something happened and you didn't finish strong? And it's like, just like that coaches, it's like, yes, yes, oh, for real. And that happened. I think it's happened to probably all of us at some point in our life, but let that be a reminder to you, the importance of, it does not matter how you start out. See, the Israelites started out strong, but they had to finish strong in order to have rest, that that the prize goes to the people who finish. Now, let's fast forward to Judges 2. It says in one through three, the angel of the Lord said, I led you up from Egypt and I brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your side and their gods shall be a snare to you. So what happens is any of the inhabitants that they refuse to displace, any of the promises of God that they refuse to act on now becomes thorns in their flesh. And how many of you have heard people quote Paul and say, well, you know, I've been sick with this disease for 10 years, and I guess this is just my thorn in the flesh. Because, you know, Paul had a thorn in his flesh, and since Paul never, you know, the Lord wouldn't permit Paul to get rid of his thorn in the flesh, then obviously there just must be a loophole. God's promises and obviously there just must be certain things that that's just my cross to bear You know, it's just my thing But if you read that scripture paul and I I don't want to get off on a tangent But if you read that the thorn in the flesh is defined Immediately in the context of that sentence as being a messenger of satan to buffet him If there is one thing that you can count on the rest of your life assuming that you are playing for the right team and advancing in your life is a messenger of Satan to buffet you. You can count on it. If it's not there, there's a problem. You will constantly have the enemy trying to stop you from your focus, to stop you from advancing. So to people to take that out of context and say, oh no, I think Paul's thorn was, uh, he wasn't a very good speaker. I've heard people say, oh, he was probably was sick or, or look at all the things that happened to him. His thorn in the flesh was the fact that everything that he tried to do from the Lord, he had resistance Does that sound like any of you? Does that sound like any of us? That's that's just what we have to overcome. But what happens is the things that we don't finish become thorns in our flesh. The things that we're unwilling to give the last 10%, you know, and just be content to be 211 degree lives, just really looking great and so much potential, but unfortunately just not an extra degree to really to get the work done. In Judges 2.10, then it says, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Do you see that there's, general, there's generational implications at stake when we decide or not to follow God? Because they didn't possess 100% of what God told them to do, what happened is their focus got off and it got on their self. Maybe some of them just said, hey, listen, We've killed a ton of people. How much more blood does there have to be? The rest of these, these Gibby knights—they're no threat. You know, maybe these other people—we'll just make a treaty with them. Keep make everybody happy. It's all good. These people over here—I mean, seriously—they're not a threat. It's not a big deal. We have our land. Everybody knows it. Do we really need to go to 100%? There probably were really rational reasons that they didn't possess the land. It wasn't like they were stupid. I mean, I'm sure they had reasons for it. And many times we have reasons. Well, yeah, oh man, I've just come so far and. I can put up with this. This is no big. I got this one God. But that's ridiculous and what happens is that is a slow progression of worshiping God to now worshiping self you know, that r- worshiping the spirit of reason that says, oh, if I can figure this out, this is more important and more truthful. And what happens is you you trace it down the generations and you would later, the next generation doesn't even know God because they haven't seen men stand up and advance the vision. They haven't seen men stand up and keep their focus and finish what they complete. It's important whether you're a kid today, it's important to complete the things you do. You know, you, you do. I had my son the other day had a paper he needed 100% on, but because he forgot to put his name on it, he got like five points knocked off and didn't get a perfect score. Why? Seriously, she knew who it was. Does it really matter? It absolutely matters. Finish. Get to the field. Get to the end zone. You know, this guy let go of the ball. He didn't do it on purpose. Maybe he got confident. Maybe he got overconfident. Thought it was in the bag. Didn't realize that he didn't have as firm a grip on it. as we can't be overconfident, but we must be confident in who God is. What are the inhabitants in your land? As we close. You know, I don't even I thought that this would be a message like we're just going to focus on the things that we haven't done. We're going to talk about. I think those are obvious. I think as you hear this word, you know, the things in your life that maybe you've let go of or the things that you're currently running with. But you got to have a recommitment to continue to carry the ball and to not stop. And some that I just thought of for me, sin. What kind of sin do we hang on to? We say, oh man, if you could have known me back then, I'm so much better than I used to be. But you know, if I, so I lash out against my wife every now and then, no biggie. Man, I used to use drugs. So come on, I've come a long way, right? We have those kind of things. Wow, well, this sin is okay. Well, this sin's hidden. No, it doesn't hurt anybody. Nobody knows. Nobody's gonna know. It's all good, you know? But that kind of not completing, that kind of distracted focus has generational implications. It, it can affect our homes. It affects our community, our churches, and it will affect... Literally, the generations that come after us, sickness is huge, and I don't. And I don't judge. I, I mean, some of you have things in your body. Only you and God will make an audit Will make you know. Will establish what the truth is and what His wisdom is. But if you're at a point in your life where you've been sick and it's just okay, you don't like it, but you've just decided, you know what? If this is the worst that ever happens to me, it's all good. Well, that's not. That's not focused to the finish. That is somehow getting our eyes off on self. Because what if you being healthy isn't just about you being content? What if you being healthy is God's way of positioning you to help other people? But you say, well, I can't. Maybe God's telling you to lose weight because he wants you to be able to run with the endurance that it takes to to, to only get maybe six hours or five hours of sleep at night. You know, maybe he's calling you to do things that have to do with other people. Pretty much I guarantee you he is because that's what we're called to influence. Maybe it's lack Maybe it's strife in your homes or with your employees or with, you know, your friends. Those kind of things left undone become the little loopholes that the enemy gets in. It's like a cable knit sweater and it's the little snag. And then you're walking by a little nail sticking in the wall one day and next thing you know, you've got a halter top on, and then half of your sweaters down the hallway. They're the little snags. You know what I mean? The things that we don't finish are the snags that literally can undo years of what integrity has got us, years of what hard work and discipline has got us. Boom. You've seen people every single day in the news, an, a lifetime of integrity or a lifetime of stature lost in a single poor decision. We don't have to be those people. Now, let me give you a, as we close, let me give you a model of someone who did focus to the finish. In Luke twenty-two, thirty-nine and 40, Jesus coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives. He's coming right out of, a uh, of a very critical time, the Last Supper, a time of bonding, time of vision casting for his disciples, a time of preparation for what was about to happen. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, now listen, this is like, imagine him saying this to you, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Focus is a matter of prayer. Pray. He was telling them the things that are about to go down, will have the ability to completely take your focus away. Everything that you've seen, everything that I've told you, everything you have believed without a shadow of a doubt is true, is about to get completely disrupted by what you're about to see happen. How many of you have gone through things like that, where everything was just great and then all of a sudden something happened? And maybe to this day you don't understand. I have those. Why did that have to happen? Doesn't make sense. It's, you're in the valley of decision at that moment. Am I going to focus on that? Or am I going to focus on completing what God has called me to complete? In 22, in verses uh, 41, as he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw away, he knelt down and prayed. This is Jesus in the garden. Imagine the intensity. He knows what's about to happen. I I can't even imagine. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done issue of focus, isn't it? Focus and determination. When he rose up from prayer and he had come to the disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. It was so important. He said it again. And I'm telling you what, men, this isn't you, but men are asleep in their homes. Men are asleep on their jobs. Men are asleep in church. I grew up with them. They were absent they were dormant they were hibernating for a, a life called winter you know they just weren't there their women were in bible studies their women were throwing together potluck dinners their written their women were having craft bazaars and raising money for the for the youth group and where were the men they were at home they were bored they were saying this is my one day to sleep in because i work monday through saturday and i'm not going to come to church you know where are the men and he said it twice in this thing pray lest you be, why are you sleeping there's work to do if you sleep you're going to miss what's happening and you're going to wake up and, and nothing's going to look like what you thought it was going to be. And, and you're going to wake up 20 years down the road and your kids are going to be jacked up and you're going to wonder what happened. This is the time to keep our focus. No matter what level you're at, now's the time to focus and finish strong. And tomorrow's, you know, tomorrow's Lombardi trof- trophy, it's not going to go to the team that finished, uh, that, that began strong at the beginning of the season. It's going to go to the, you got that picture, John? The, the Lombardi trophy is going to go to the the. the team that finished strong. We want that trophy. In Hebrews 12, it says, um, let us run with endurance the race God has set for us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. And then when you think about that hostility that he endured, you will not become weary and give up. So our focus has to be on Jesus. Our focus has to be focused on uh, following him and running this race and possessing the things that he is called to possess so that we can have a great life, yeah, but most importantly, so that our generations can be affected, so that the people that he calls us to steward will be affected and will follow him when they see the victory in our lives. Let me just um, close with this. Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work in you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That means you're not doing this alone. You have to decide. You and you alone decide to stay focused. But once you make that decision, that's the last time that it's all up to you. The decision is on your shoulders. The rest of it is allowing him, following him as he leads you to completion, the things he's began on you. Don't Please don't be content for 211 degrees. Please don't be content. But be focused to the finish. Be focused to the finish. Be focused to the finish and finish strong. Amen? Lord, I want to pray for every guy here today that we have all been guilty of it. And I don't say that to bring condemnation. We, I just, It's just part of being a human being, God, that we have all had seasons of our life where we are unfocused. And some of us might be unfocused right now And I thank you, Lord, that you don't give us, you never give us a word to condemn us. You give us words to convict us. And then when you convict us and you, and you disrupt us, then what we find if we, if we focus on you is we find the provision to actually increase and improve. And so I don't know what it is for all these guys. I know what it is in my life. I know the areas that I've either given up or stalled on. And we just ask your forgiveness today for that. Um, Change begins with forgiveness and repenting means to turn and to move 180 degrees in an opposite direction. And we don't even know how to do that. We might not even think we're capable of really doing that. But with your help, when we choose, we choose where the focus goes, and then you cause your provision to be there to do it. So this may be the first time for some of us to successfully begin to move in another direction. But we ask you, Lord, to use the, the word that's been planted in our heart and to cause us to and inspire us to place our focus on possessing those things that you have given us, those things that you've told us in your word, those things that you've told us in our quiet time with you, those things that maybe nobody else on earth would know, but the pressure is on us to, to focus and to finish strong. And I just pray over the different situations that we have represented today. I know there's people in financial despair. I know there's people with strife in their families. I know there's people who may just be at a stalemate about some of the things that you've had them pursuing, but not enough things came into alignment. It doesn't look like there's any fruit. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you feel like you're on the sidelines. I just pray today That even if nothing else changed for the rest of the day, if anything, that we would be inspired to realign our focus and say, I'm going to take my focus off myself, I'm going to take my focus off my circumstances, I'm going to put my focus on Jesus, and I'm going to watch him run, and I'm going to to run with endurance the race that God set before me. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus, who is the champion who initiates and perfects my faith. And as we do this today, God, we do it with an excitement. We do it with an anticipation that things could change miraculously in our lives. But Lord, most importantly, help us get our eyes off of ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen.